All in preparation for the challenges that lie ahead. This is a show that feeds the mind with inspiration and truth on the issues of the day. If it's important to your life, you'll find it here. Hosted by Malcolm Out Loud. Now, if you follow the stats, friends, I mean, no matter where you look at some of the homeless organizations and associations, they're upwards over a half a million people, they say on any given night is what they usually say, are experts in homelessness. Now, those numbers vary. Uh, some people report that number is as high as 650,000, 700,000 on a given night. So it all depends, obviously, who you're talking to. But what's most interesting to me is that 25% of these people, according to the stats now, uh, suffer from mental illness, including uh, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and depression. 17% are considered chronically homeless. 13% are fleeing domestic violence. And 12% are veterans, which, as you know, is another thing I talk about a great deal on the show here. I would like you to meet a gentleman who I really was inspired by his story some months ago, actually, when I ran across the story. His name is Kevin Adler. He calls himself a social entrepreneur, but he's the founder and CEO of a, an organization called Miracle Messages. And it's a it's interesting when I seen this, I really got a great sense about it, but it's a, it, he calls it a social venture that helps homeless people reunite with their long lost loved ones via social media and video messages that are recorded and delivered by volunteers. And I love the fact that we can see some good things come out of social media and all, because most of the time these stories are not that great coming out of it. Kevin, it's so good to talk to you today. I've been following your story for a while now. How are you, sir? Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, and uh, I appreciate the context on the statistics around homelessness at the very beginning of this uh, program. I think a lot of folks underestimate how multivaried and complex the reasons for homelessness actually are. So it's it's really great to be with you and to do this work. You know, um, it, the numbers and stats I mentioned, do they all seem to make sense to you, or is there anything uh, out, of, out of par there? No, it, it's, it's aligned with what I've heard. I, I mean, okay. the reasons for homelessness are complex. And for me, the, the thing that I just kept hearing over and over again is that a person I talked to on the streets would say, you know, I never realized I was homeless when I lost housing, only when I lost my family and friends, contact and support from my family and friends that provided me with support. And that's really where we focused at Miracle Messages. But yes, uh, from you know addictions to mental illness to job loss, health issues to relational brokenness, the reasons for homelessness are, are very complicated. And, you know, Kevin, I bet you every one of those people also, I bet they never thought at one point of their life that they would end up on the streets. And, you know, speaking with these individuals, uh, folks like Perry Thornley, who hadn't seen his son in about 20 years. Uh, we were able to reunite him with his son, Joseph, first time since the boy was four years old. You would never know that he was homeless. Uh, walking down the street, had he not been, say, standing there with a sign, you know, he's a person that could look just like you and me. Uh, and it's wonderful when some of these folks reunite, see them with their families. Uh, you'd think that it was just a, you know, a happy father and son walking down the street in Burlington, Vermont, uh, in this case. So, yeah, most homeless folks, you know, we, we think of the person who's screaming or, you know, uh, having some kind of uh, mental issue on the street corner. They deserve our, our support as well. But most homeless folks, you know, 3.5 million Americans experience homelessness every year. Half of them are kids. Uh, so homelessness looks a lot more like you and me, or at least our neighbors, than, than maybe we realize. 
You know, uh, for for me, uh, I, you know, I have followed this. Uh, your uh, your story, actually, I put it on the brink of greatness. And one of the things I love about what I do um, as a national commentator and a host, and you know, I talk about real news items. But to me, I have this whole other world, Kevin, um, brink, which I call brink thinkers, and it's the brink of greatness. And you know, it's really special to me because it really highlights very unique people and and things that they're doing in the world. That you know, a few years back, I happened to be in San Francisco, and I remember being awestruck at the amount of homelessness that was there. Kevin, I, I had never seen anything like it in my life, and I consider myself a city boy, but I had never seen such uh, numbers, and I, I was so uncomfortable, and I felt so bad. They're everywhere. They seemed like they were on every inch of every corner and every you couldn't move without finding homeless people and then i didn't realize till i looked further in that your story sort of started in san francisco didn't it that's exactly right yeah i i grew up in the uh the east bay in the san francisco bay area and uh my uncle mark had been homeless for about 30 years uh he suffered from schizophrenia lived on and off the streets but you know i never saw him as a homeless man he's just my beloved uncle and so when he passed away, I just started thinking about how we use storytelling tools like Facebook and social media and smartphones to tell our stories. And yet for, you know, the 3.5 million Americans who experience homelessness each year, 600,000 every single night, why are these tools uh, not helping them share their experiences and maybe at least uh, showing their lives in a more humane way? Uh, and, and so I started out in San Francisco, uh, initially with a homeless volunteer wearing a GoPro camera to see the world through their eyes, literally to walk a mile in their shoes. And this was all inspired by that uncle? By my uncle, Mark. Uncle yeah. Mark. Yeah. And, and let me ask you, I have to, I have to, because I'm very curious to ask you, you say that, you know, you knew him as Uncle Mark all those years, and you didn't realize till after he had passed away, and then you were inspired to do this, but... What, but I assume, as you were growing up, he was homeless at the time when he was your uncle, obviously, and you didn't know he was homeless then, or did you? Uh, you know, I knew he was on and off the streets. I knew that my dad and my other uncle uh, would would chip in and, and put him into an apartment or some kind of uh, kind of halfway house, and he'd be there for six months, no problem, and come over for Thanksgiving, Christmas, life of the party, and then you know something would happen. The dark clouds of mental illness, you know, rear their face and he'd do something dis disruptive and have to leave that, you know, place and he'd be on the streets and we wouldn't hear from him for another six months and then he'd come back. So, you know, that was really characteristic of Mark and uh, I, I just, uh, as a, you know, nice. I never knew him as an adult, but uh, as a young boy, I very much loved my uncle and he was just part of the family just like anyone else. Right. And, and this, this was your, your father's uh, brother? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny because I mentioned to you the stats. 25% uh, are suffering, they say, from mental illness, including schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression. And then it comes down from there. Some are fleeing domestic violence. Now, you, you probably see all kinds of people uh, with this new enterprise that you're, this organization you're involved in. I'm sure you see every one of these kind of situations, don't you? Well, uh, being on the streets, if you don't have any kind of uh, mental illness before you're on the streets, I'll tell you, it's a very traumatic experience from the stories I've heard and stories that I hear. Uh, it's certainly not something that I'd wish on my worst enemy. Uh, and, and yeah, folks are coming from all backgrounds. You know, we had a woman, uh, Juanita, uh, based out of Florida, that we reunited with her 
uh, siblings over the, uh, had been out of touch for about 25 years. And I believe in that case, it was uh, a death in the family. And it just came at a very impressionable age. She really didn't want to deal with it. Uh, you know, started getting into some, some substance abuse, left the family, kind of went on her own. And then just years went by and had no way to reach out and, and connect with them. So they've, they've now reconnected and we're now in the process of trying to raise some funds to help her. Uh, well, I want to talk about that. I'm, I want to talk about the funds. I want to talk about the videos you're doing and the process of how you're going about doing this and how people can connect up with it. I think a lot of people can re- not only relate to this, but appreciate what's really going on here. And I think what you're doing is tremendous. We're going to pause just a moment here. With We're speaking with Kevin Adler again and the Miracle Messages. I love this story, folks. Stay right there. It's Malcolm Allah, I'll be right back with you. Well, we are back with you here. This is Real Life, and one of the great things I get to do is really interview what I call Brink Thinkers, and I want you to meet again Kevin Adler. Again, Miracle Messages. It's a story I wrote about some time ago on the brink of greatness, folks, uh, and I encourage you to check out a story. Also find it on AmericaOutloud.com. You'll find it there. But I, I like what Kevin did. So he talks about his Uncle Mark growing up as a kid, uh, sort of, and his Uncle Mark sort of fit the image of what a lot of these organizations say are driving people to the streets. Depression, schizophrenia, disconnection, uh, you know, all kinds of things go on that everybody's got a reason and they end up in a place they never thought they would end up. And this was sort of the inspiration and incentive. Now, now, Kevin, I, I like the way you say when you started this thing, you put a GoPro camera on, you just went out, because there's nothing like, you know, as a researcher myself and a marketer, there's nothing like experiencing and knowing what people are really going through. Uh, start there for me. That experience, if, if we're listening now and we don't really understand what it's like to be homeless, what's your sense of what those people go through? Well, uh, that's the question I really set out to find out. Um, you know, we had folks like Adam, uh, who has been on the streets for about 20 years, and he's sort of a street philosopher. He's talking about what it feels like to have people walk in front of him uh, on a daily basis, and you know, maybe the mother, uh, the child starts approaching him, and the mother pulls the child away, right. uh, or, or someone looks with disgust. Uh, and then we have folks. Uh, uh, Jessica in uh, Boston, 19-year-old. Her, she's been on the streets for two years. Her mother got put in a nursing home, and she just had nowhere else to go. And she's living in the parks in Boston. So being able to have a, a perspective of what life is like from them, and you know, it really is a multifaceted, uh, multifaceted uh, reasons for homelessness. Now, Kevin, you probably can understand both sides of this. Tell me why we do that. When we walk on the streets like this, an average person, and we see someone in that position, like you say, the way you describe, they pull the kid back. I've seen that scene many, many sure. times. Yeah. Nobody wants their kid to interact and so on and so forth. Why do we do We're scared. It seems we're scared of that, or we, we look down at them. What, what is the whole psyche behind this? Do you yeah, know? your intuition on this one? is right on. So uh, the part of the brain uh, that activates when we see a person compared to an object is called the medial prefrontal cortex. So that part of the brain has been found in studies to not activate when you see someone that you perceive to be in an extreme outgroup in our society. So what that means is this part of the brain, medial prefrontal cortex, does not activate when you see someone such as a homeless person. And so without the proper experience and exposure, 
you're processing a person who's on the streets, much more akin to either an inanimate object or even something worthy of revulsion rather than a fellow human being. So there's neurological processing here. And then, of course, there's social norms, behaviors, uh, you know, but for the grace of God, go I. If I get a little bit too close, maybe I'll find out that this person isn't so much different than, than you and I. It's a lot easier to label them as, you know, schizophrenic or some kind of mentally ill person in need of help rather than someone who has had just a set of circumstances, one too many bouts of bad luck, and ended up in a situation that none of us would want to be in. Right. Well, let's face it, Kevin. Uh, we are in a society that has to label everything. I mean, come on. You know, everything's got to have a label, right? Well, the great thing in, for you and I is we'll walk into a room and maybe someone sees yourself as a motivational speaker, as a radio host, as a, you know, a, a good-looking guy. Uh, probably you don't walk into too many rooms and someone says, hey, look at that housed person. Right, right. And yet for homeless people, we're defining them by what they're lacking, and it's in terms of one physical need. Mm -hmm. And so with Miracle Messages, mm -hmm. we say, okay, great, yeah, you don't have housing, that's horrible, but let's flip Maslow's Pyramid. And let's start with the top, which is the love, the empathy, the self-actualization, the human connection that we can better offer wow, each other. Fantastic. Let's start with that. Let's start with that. Fantastic. All right. Tell me how you do it. How does this all work with the videos? And I, I, I went to your channel the other day. You have some great stories on there. In fact, I, I listed some of your fantastic stories you followed and successes in the post that we have up there on the platform. But tell us the process you go through, please, and how you do this. Absolutely. So... Uh, in a nutshell, uh, we basically have volunteers, uh, just like uh, any of your listeners could do, uh, use their smartphones to record short video messages uh, from homeless individuals uh, to their long-lost loved ones. And we partner with uh, homeless service providers, nonprofits uh, throughout the country uh, that open up their doors and give volunteers an opportunity to record messages on their smartphones. We then uh, use social media to post the videos, uh, and we post them on our own feeds on Facebook, so facebook.com slash miracle messages, uh, as well as uh, strategically in different Facebook groups. So perhaps uh, an individual is from uh, Montoursville, Pennsylvania, small town in Pennsylvania where Jeffrey is from. We'll find a Facebook group connected to that, and then through uh, posting the video there, usually it takes a matter of hours or days before someone tags the loved one in the post. Um, so one example, if you'd like, uh, Isaac, Isaac Avila uh, had not seen his family in about 40 years, uh, living on the streets in Miami. Uh, our wonderful partner, Choose Love Foundation, with a volunteer named Gabby Cordell, met Isaac and recorded his miracle message to his family, uh, took the video and posted it on social media. It got picked up by the local media. A few groups on Facebook shared it. And within a few weeks, his entire family had seen the video and recorded video messages back to Isaac, uh, including his mother, who doesn't speak a word of English. Um, and she, all she could do is once she heard who it was, is she just kept crying and touching the screen and asking to replay it. And three weeks after reuniting with his family, and again, he'd been homeless for 40 years, been on and off the streets 40 years, had been out of touch for 40 years, they drove... Uh, from Texas over to Miami, picked him up, and he's now living together with his family. Wow, wow. So would that be considered one of your biggest success stories? That's a success, but what we define as success is not whether they go and live together again mm -hmm. or whatnot. It's having the opportunity 
to say to a homeless person, hey, you know, who do you love? Let's record your video postcard, if you will, and we'll share that and we're gonna do our best to reach that family. Now, how they respond, whether they respond, whether they wanna reunite, whether you want to move back in or whether you're happy where you are, that's up to you. What we're really doing is giving you an opportunity to say who you love and who you want to reunite with and giving you a chance to do that. Yeah, but you can't control that, obviously. You can't control the circumstances in each one of these situations, right? I mean, obviously, you know? That's right. That's right. So you, you don't know. There are a lot of circumstances that go into things, and uh, sometimes people don't want to be reunited for whatever reasons they may be. Uh, and I'm sure you've run into that, have you not? We have, yeah. And the beautiful uh, aspect about our approach, so two pieces on that. One, we have families that occasionally will say, yeah, you know, it's not appropriate for us. We've, we know where they are. We've been in touch before. You know, there's a lot of backstory there. But thank you for doing the work you do. You know, we, we understand why it's important. Um, so we, we appreciate that. The other piece that really is great in this process is because we're putting this out into the open, uh, you know, out loud, if you will. Uh, we will hear from folks who aren't the intended recipients of the miracle messages. Mm -hmm. So there's an individual, for instance, in Portland, Maine, where his sisters was not, were not interested in reuniting. There was a lot of backstory there. But then his best friend, who hadn't seen him or heard from him in many years, reaches out and says, this is like a brother to me. How can I be a part of his life? And then they reunited. And so it's really mobilizing the community to say, these are our brothers and sisters. Let's not see them as homeless Joe or Jane, but let's see them as Kevin's uncle, as Jeffrey's brother, right. as, you know, whatnot. Right. So. Kevin, I read somewhere that uh, your goal was to connect a hundred uh, uh, homeless people back to the families. Is that, was that accurate or? Uh, it's actually one million. Yeah. So one million. Want, yeah. We want to do one million reunions every single year beginning in 2020. Begin, uh, beginning in 2020. Well, we want to reach a million reunions by 2020. Oh, and I every, see. Every year after that, one million reunions a year. Wow. Wow. That there's is. A, there's 100 million homeless uh, people on Earth. There's 160 million homeless and displaced people on Earth. If we're going to move the needle, if we're just going to get 1% of that population mm -hmm. reunited with their loved ones every year, it's going to take a global movement like we haven't seen in many years and that we're in much need of. And it's not something that myself or my... Uh, my, my team member, director of programs, Jessica Day, it's not something we can do single-handedly. We need people all across the world using their smartphones and social media for social good. So you're at the early stages of something that uh, is going to probably be very, very special. Well, the beautiful thing is, uh, you know, we do our best. We have big dreams and a big vision. We want to mobilize the Internet to reunite the world. That's our, that's our guiding vision here. But even if things uh, fall short, uh, which they could, but we're, we're hoping they don't, we've already been able to help uh, a number of folks reunite with their loved ones. So each step forward is making a difference in someone's life, which is great. Yeah. So tell me, in rough numbers, what are the numbers so far? You've been, I think it's a few dozen, isn't it, or more or less? Yeah. Yeah. So I think right now uh, we just had a number of messages recorded this past week, but we're at about 60 messages recorded. Um, okay. Many of these are from ourselves. We are increasingly having volunteers record these in their own communities. And then we've been able to deliver about half of those and then another half of those. So maybe a quarter lead to actual 
reunion. So, for instance, if somebody has somebody homeless in Dallas and you're not yep. in that area, so somebody can record this, yeah? That's absolutely true. And, and we'd love to hear from folks in Dallas or Houston or San Antonio or any other part of and So uh, they Texas. record it, and then what do they do? They send you the, the message? and Oh, it's even better than that. So all they have to do is get onto YouTube, uh, upload the video, and then tag it, hashtag Miracle Messages. Uh, and that will show up in our feed, and that will go onto our website once we uh, take a chance to review it, and then we'll start blasting it out. So wow. they can also contact us through our website, which is miraclemessages.org. Really? Wow. Very good. So um, talk to me about dollars. Where do the dollars come from? How do people do this? Well, uh, I uh, about a year and a half ago left my job. Uh, had been working in the tech world and decided to do this full time. Wow! Um, you know, at sometimes in life, the bigger risk isn't a financial, you know, well being. It's uh, whether you're following your dreams and doing what you need to do in this life. Uh, so I felt compelled to do that. Um, it's, it hasn't always been easy, but we've had a successful crowdfunding campaign about a year and a half ago. Uh, and then we've had a few uh, service contracts from nonprofits and churches that want us to do miracle messages in their jurisdictions. Uh, we're looking at city partnerships. Um, and then we also welcome corporate sponsors who want to uh, support this work. Uh, and then we're allowing folks to fundraise uh, for the homeless individuals to reunite with their families. And we're able to uh, offer uh, folks a chance to give a, a percentage of that to to cover our costs. So if somebody wants to just put a hand in and help out somehow in some small way to help the the group out with one of these cases, what do they what do they do? How do they Super easy. So you go to miraclemessages.org and you can watch some of the undelivered miracle messages on our website. These are videos that have been recorded but have not reached the loved ones. So you can easily share those on your social media, do a little detective work, see if you can find the loved ones. Um, you can also record miracle messages in your own area. So you can reach out to us to learn how to do that. Uh, again, miraclemessages.org. Um, and then if folks want to get more involved uh, helping with social media or fundraising or marketing, you know, we really are a volunteer-led uh, effort. We have two full-time people and everyone else is volunteers. Right. Well, which is the way it should be with any organization like that. Uh, and, you know, that's the key is an organization, the, the, the funds and the effort and the energy have to go to the bottom line if you're going to move the needle, as you say. Uh, well, Kevin, I, I really, um, I think it's an incredible story. I was really touched and moved when I seen this some months back. Um, and that's when I said, I've really got to celebrate this story. I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you now, Kevin, I tell people all the time on national radio, there is a lot of, now, as a commentator, I speak about real news in the real world every day on national radio. But I'll say this, there is a lot of good news out in the world. It's just the media doesn't talk about it. Mm. So one of the things that I do that Malcolm does is I make it my point to talk about a lot of good news. In fact, I did it just this morning on national radio. I do it every morning on national radio. And so good news is important. And that really is what I call the brink of greatness and a brink thinker. So I commend you for everything that you put into it and encourage people to take a look at your story. We're going to, this as it airs on radio, we will also podcast afterward, iTunes. So we'll get some miles out of it and we'll, I'll, keep people aware of it, drive some traffic, and um, try to put a couple of banner ads up or so to make people uh, understand the stories and things you're doing. I really am a fan of what you're doing. I applaud you for all your efforts here, man, and I hope people will get involved and, and make a difference here, you know? 
Well, I really appreciate it, and uh, I'd love to uh, continue the good work, and uh, we'll pick an undelivered message to share with some of your, uh, your, your viewers and your listeners, uh, and uh, hopefully be able to, through that process, help another individual reunite. Sounds good. Uh, Kevin Adler, MiracleMessages.org, right? Yep, MiracleMessages.org or on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash MiracleMessages. So we'll have all the contact points at the site as well, folks, on America Out Loud. Uh, and uh, you can catch it all there. And again, we applaud Kevin Adler. And again, if you have a great news story, let me know about it. We'll bring it to the airwaves. We'll put it in a lot of te- uh, radio markets across the country. Tell folks about it. And that's what it's about. Again, congratulations to Kevin and Miracle Messages and all the work they're doing. That's it, folks. We're going to wrap up here. We will see you again next time. It's Malcolm Out Loud. Remember, get involved, get loud.